Hi, it's Mimi. Welcome to our new weekly Mimi Moments, a new series focusing on short, impactful excerpts from some of the most powerful conversations that I've had on the show. I hope it elevates your day. And if you want to hear the whole episode, there's a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You guys, we have a very special guest on the podcast today. Dr. Joy Kong is a triple certified, triple board certified physician, an anti-aging and stem cell specialist, an educator, a CEO, and so much more. I'm so excited to have you on. I want to talk all things anti-aging, stem cell, research, technology, and about you and, and your teachings and your work. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with you. I um, spent my first 20 years in China. I, I think that had a lot to do with eventually the direction I'm going in medicine. First of all, I grew up on a university that's, you know, the top science and technology university in China. My dad was a professor. So I love science. Um, and I, you know, and medicine is, is just fascinating. I've always been fascinated by the human body. And, uh, and also what I saw in China was this coexisting of two medical systems. One is a Western medicine. And one, of course, is Chinese medicine. And they are kind of side by side. Sometimes a patient will use Chinese medicine, sometimes Western medicine. It really depends on what kind of condition, you know, acute conditions. Yes, Western medicine works great, but chronic conditions, uh, people understand that the Chinese medicine will go deeper into the body to, to kind of remove some of the root causes. And, and, and so the, the two are working together. So that's what I came to this country with um, is understanding that sometimes one one uh, philosophy or philosophical approach to medicine works better. And then um, I've um, I went to UCLA. Of course, I was you know any field was wide open for me. But because I love the brain, I've always wanted. Uh, if I had gone into PhD route, I would have done uh, neuroscience. So so it was a perfect fit. Uh, psychiatry. Um, it's really fascinating, really fun. I get to do use medications to help people. I get to learn about psychotherapy. So it's kind of a very integrative approach. And in the meantime, I was still remembering this Chinese medicine, this holistic healing method. And I was trying to bring that into psychiatry because I know people have still people comes to me with aches and pains and indigestion, you know, all kinds of issues. You know, I want to help them you know, fully, you know, I've, as a full human being, not just a depression mm -hmm. and anxiety, because I know they're all connected. Your depression, and anxiety could very well be connected to other systems. Um, so I was trying to integrate Chinese medicine into psychiatry, and I found it extraordinarily difficult, uh, partially because the two speak completely different languages. So it's like water and oil. It, you can't, it, it's very hard to mix. You can't really integrate. You can coexist. You can do a Western diagnosis and you can do a Chinese diagnosis and you use, you know, Western route, you have one treatment plan and then Chinese medicine route, you have another treatment plan. You use both treatments. But to me, that's not intellectually satisfying. That's not true integration. So is when I, you know, came across what's called functional medicine. And, and later on, I think it, there's another discipline involved as anti-aging medicine is all the same as holistically looking at the body. Um, so that's when I got into anti-aging and regenerative medicine. Um, and then stem cell therapy, it's, it's kind of like the Holy grail. It's, it's, it, you know, it's hard, harder to get more holistic than that because you're using the intelligence of what made us, you know, you're using the original source of intelligence to heal the body and intelligence limitless. Mm, what a great explanation. And 
the reason I really wanted to have you on the podcast is honestly, maybe it stemmed from a selfish reason of wanting to learn more about anti-aging, about stem cell technology. I personally am so into health, just like a lot of our listeners. And I have this vision that I want to live until I'm at least 120 years old, like at least. So I would love to know, like, what are your thoughts on like, you know, I guess maybe our generations, like, you know, probably everyone maybe under the age of 60 right now living till way over a hundred. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Just out of curiosity. I I definitely think we are at a really crucial point where so much new science are coming in and um, even just look at the study on stem cells. So there there are many other ways too, but stem cells is, it's fascinating because it's fundamentally different from all these other things we do, you know, whether supplement or some kind of other, um, you know, energy therapy. So everything else that we can do to, to help the body is fundamentally different than the stem cell therapy, because the stem cells, you're actually replacing um, and upgrading the engine that's driving life. So as we age, our stem cell supply decreases drastically. Um, just a look at the mesenchymal stem cell, which is one of the major regenerative uh, stem cells in the body, really, you know, kind of one of the holy grails right now in regenerative medicine. Uh, when we were born, everyone in 10,000 cells is this stem cell, mesenchymal stem cell, so MSC. And when we reach our teenage years, it already declined to one in a hundred thousand. So that's tenfold less, right? And when, when you reach your forties is one in 400,000. And when you reach your eighties is one in 2 million. So you can imagine you're running out of the engine that's running the regeneration process. So what we can do now these days is to infuse a body with the engine. So you're, you're, you're all of a sudden, you know, you have very few engines left and they're kind of old and, and slow and rusted. And you're putting all these new engine to help your body run. And it's not just philosophically sounds great. They've shown in different studies, multiple studies and results has been pretty consistent. You give a middle-aged mice um, or rats, they've done both studies, that by giving them regular IV infusions, I think for them usually it's once a month, extended their lifespan by about 30%. That, that number has been consistent. So if you think our, our usual lifespan is 80 years, so 30% is another 24 years, right? So, so if you can replace the body with these powerful engines, um, you can have not only lifespan, but also health span. So these, these animals, you know, in the experiment is not just they live longer and they were hanging in, they're actually thriving. Their, their fur got better, you know, more shiny, their, their spine is straighter, they're moving around, you know, mobile, and they're able to go through the maze, you know, with a sharp mind. Right? So, yeah. so you are changing a lot of things in these animals. So they're actually keeping a longer time that they're young. And that's, mm-hmm. the yeah, that's yeah. The out there. you know, I watched, uh, I don't know if this was about stem cell therapy or I don't know, is it the same thing? CRISPR technology? Is that stem cell or uh, that, that something else? That's gene, uh, okay. That's gene gene. Editing, yeah. okay. Never mind. Cause I was going to mention yeah. that I saw this thing on Netflix a couple of months ago and it was um, doing a study on rats and with this CRISPR technology, you know, there was one uh, rat that looked literally elderly. It was like frail with the spine all curved and what couldn't really walk properly. And then another rat from the same exact litter that that old rat was born was doing, they were doing this CRISPR 
um, stuff on it. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, you know, one years old, like running around or, you know, a very young rat. So, so probably there was some kind of genetic defect. Yeah. Yeah. Premature aging in this rat. And that's, yeah, they were messing with the genes. So in these yeah. genetic disease model, gene editing is great. But even for genetic conditions, I tell people that, you know, rarely is the gene itself that's causing the problem. A lot of times is what, what the, the problem on the gene level is translated into what protein is expressed. And that gets translated into the health of the tissue and, and of the organ and the whole body. So, so there's a lot of downstream effect from the, the faulty gene. So if you can correct some of the inflammation and, and, and damages uh, you can repair those, then you can help the person to live a better quality of life. But of course, if you can repair the genes, that's even better. <laughs> cool. Okay. Wait, I would love to know though, more about stem cell, uh, medicine and technology. Like, what is it like? Like how, I don't even know how you put it in your body. Like, how do you know what, how much to put in? Like, how do you administer it? Like how long does it take? How expensive is it for everyone listening that literally doesn't know anything about it? I'd love if you could kind of give us an elevator pitch on the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. So it gets a little complex because there's so many kinds of stem cells out there. So you can get stem cells out of your own body, you know, from your own fat or bone marrow. Those are major sources. Or you can get stem cells from the birth tissue, which, you know, the, the umbilical cord, the placenta, the core blood. Um, you know, in this country, you know, people are not allowed to use embryonic stem cells. You know, these you know, it's controversial and also is not as safe because these cells have, have the potential of forming this uncontrolled growth, which is called mm. teratoma. So, so that's, that's the other, the other side. Um, and, and by using, you know, what I believe is the most potent and best form of stem cells is actually from the birth tissue, because they're kind of the perfect, um, in between embryonic stem cells and adult stem cells. So they're more active and they have more differentiation potentials, which means that they can become cells of different mm -hmm. tissues. So they have more flexibility to, to change and develop to, to, you know, who, you know, to, you know, maybe, and, um, you know, the organ level, the new tissue, but they can also secrete a lot more growth factors and signals. And so they have a more potent effect, but then they don't have the potential from the embryonic stem cells that, you know, which can lead to tumor formation, um, because these cells are downstream enough. So they lost that wild potential. So they kept a lot of the active potential, but they lost the wild, you know, uncontrollable mm. potential. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, so if you're looking just at that, um, at birth tissue derived stem cells, um, there's different ways of doing this because if a lot of people go overseas, they go to, you know, Panama or uh, Mexico, and they will get these cells that have been expanded, which means that they are put in an incubator and, and they're allowed to multiply, multiply, and, you know, they grow and grow yeah. to huge numbers. And then they parcel out a little portion of this huge number and they give it to people. Um, and what I do in the clinic is using original cells. So we don't multiply them. We don't change them. We don't use chemicals, whatever it was from the birth tissue, from the umbilical cord, that's what we're giving to people. So there's huge difference between these two methods. When you grow cells into a large number, and, and by the way, a lot of these clinics who are doing these treatments, they're not really looking under microscope to look at what happened to the cells. Are they still stem cells? 
or are they not stem cells anymore? Because when the cells divide, most often they will divide into a stem cell and the daughter cell. The daughter cell has gained further function. So the daughter cell will have more surface receptors and will, will be more developed. So they're no longer the original stem cell. So if you can imagine a big soup, let's just say a hundred cells, and each of the stem cell will divide into a stem cell and daughter cell, right? Pretty soon you're gonna have still a hundred stem cells left and you know, and thousands of daughter cells. And then you parcel those out, you take a little bit out of it and you say, I have a lot of cells in here, but only very small percentage is actually stem cells. And that's the risk you run. And that's what I've seen in a lot of these treatment centers is that people are getting more side effects because the cells have differentiated into something else. That's, that's you know, they were just blindly growing in the in an incubator. So they become, you know, who they were designed to be, I guess, you know, the, whatever their genetic expression mm-hmm. was. But if you put cells in the human body, you know, this, these very young cells in the human body and let them grow in the body, they will, they will adapt to your body. And, and, and I don't know how they do it exactly. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Because if you give you know, the most drastic example is bone marrow transplant, which is the earliest stem cell transplantation. You know, you're getting the cells from the bone marrow, but the bone marrow transplant, you have to match two adults perfectly. And even when you match all the markers that, you know, we know the major markers, there's still a chance of rejection, but you can give the person core blood and blood cord blood completely unmatched and there's a very little chance of rejection, completely unmatched, because these younger cells have so few surface receptors that's going to cause problem. And when they're in your body, they also work with your body. Um, the other thing is, um, actually, a lot of them actually get destroyed. If they start to express their surface markers, I'm becoming new cells, you know, I'm you know showing more characteristics. A lot of times, your own immune system will destroy them. So there, it, there's a lifespan. There's a lifespan from the immune system actually getting rid of some of these cells, and a lifespan just naturally. Any activated cells can only live so long; they don't live forever. So what we think is that these cells will live in the body for about three months. But during those three months they can multiply and they can adapt to the body. Amazing. So do you inject it? Like, how do you administer it? Yeah. So for, it really depends on what we're treating for a lot of um, conditions that has inflammation as the basis, uh, which are most chronic conditions and also conditions that have um, uh, immune dysregulation as part of the picture. Um, IV infusion is really the best way. Um, okay. and also the lungs and liver, these like highly well-perfused organs um, are, are fantastic, you know, using IV delivery. Um, the, the times that I will use local injection will be for larger joints because they're not very well-perfused. And if I want to fix the, the cartilage and the, you know, the damages that's inside, I may inject directly into the joint space. Um, but I still, you know, for most people, I still, uh, you know, uh, suggest IV treatment because let, let's just look at the knee is a large joint. The outer one third of the cartilage for the knee joint is actually nourished by the blood supply. The inner two thirds is nourished by the synovial fluid, you know, in the, in the sac. Mm-hmm. 
So when I, when I do from both ends, I'm really maximizing the potential of regeneration, you know, for that knee joint. Um, so, and I also do local injections for uh, like penile injections, vaginal injections for, to enhance sexual wellness, you know, for, for oh, wow. and even something, at, you know, peronies, which is the curvature of the penis. And because it's actually not that uncommon, it's really is an inflammatory condition. There are plaques that form. So, so it really, it, it, it forms like a pivot point and I've seen it uh, working really fantastically well, just one injection and the penis straightens and, you know, problem solved. And, um, and I also do facial regen- regeneration, hair restoration. So um, local injections when, when I want a lot of, you know, cells and growth factors in all in that local area, I, that's mm-hmm. when I target locally. Well, next time I'm in LA, I'll come see you and get some stem cells. <laughs> yes, especially since you have the goal of 120. <laughs> oh yeah, or more. I'm being a bit conservative saying 120. I just, uh, oh, okay. you know, you yeah, never right. know. <laughs> Thank you I look so forward much, to seeing you. Yeah, oh, me too. Have a beautiful day. I hope you enjoyed this Mimi moment. And while I have your attention, we'd love your feedback on the new Mimi podcast reboot. It would mean so much to me if you could leave a review and you could even send me a message on Instagram to tell me what you think about the new show upgrade. I'd love to hear from you.